Welcome to Bite Size Tech Chronicles from Things Have Changed Podcast. I'm your host, Jed Tabernero, here to guide you through the remarkable tales of technology that have sculpted our digital landscapes. From the nostalgic buzz of dial-up to the instantaneous clicks of today, we've journeyed so far. In this series, we'll unravel the hidden stories and monumental moments that have transformed Bytes into a vast interconnected universe. Remember when social media was just media? We'll explore the pivotal shifts, the innovations, and the unsung heroes that have redefined communication and brought the world closer, one pixel at a time. So plug in, tune in, and get ready for a bite-by-bite exploration of our tech-infused history. Together, Let's discover how the tapestry of technology continues to evolve, shape, and connect our world. After all, things have changed. Amidst the hustle of urban life, children now grow with the expectation that the internet is just another basic necessity. Curious how we got here? Let's unravel the story of how the internet was woven into the fabric of our modern world. Today's episode, Connecting Continents, the ARPANET to the Internet. The ARPANET was essentially an overlay built on top of the telephone net. And in fact, it was a hostile overlay. 1969. That's the year when ARPANET the precursor to the internet we know today, sent its first message. Fast forward to now, we're in an era where 4.9 billion people are connected online. That's more than half the global population. 500 hours of video uploaded per minute, over 350,000 Instagram stories shared, and approximately 4.1 million gigabytes of data generated all within an internet minute in 2022. Jaw-dropping, isn't it? How did we journey from connecting four universities to uniting continents and building a trillion-dollar economy? Join me as we explore the digital bridges and binary tales that have intertwined our world. Today, we're journeying back to the birth of the internet through the eyes and voices of Charlie Klein, Bill Duvall, and Larry Roberts. I was a student at UCLA at the time, and I was working in the group at UCLA that was developing our end of the hardware and software interface to make this work. And I was the one who was writing the programs on our computer to talk to the ARPANET. Picture this. The year is 1969. Young Charlie, immersed in the world of computer science, is about to send the first message over ARPANET. I was the architect and the implementer of the uh, software on the SCS 940 at uh, SRI that uh, basically was connecting to the uh, Sigma 7 at UCLA. It was on a terminal like this that I actually attempted to connect to the computer at SRI. But this isn't just any project. It's a venture funded by the United States Department of Defense with a vision. A communication network that could endure any disruption. I was typing on a teletype similar to this one 
late October, on October 29th. We actually tried to communicate doing that. The first couple of times it didn't work, and then we found the problems, and later on it did. So I typed an L, and I wanted, which my system received, formatted into a packet, sent it to the imp, got sent to Bill's machine, where, to the imp there, which sent it to Bill's machine, where he took it. And I guess Bill had some monitoring software on another terminal, or you could see what I was typing. I, could, I was looking straight into memory, actually. Oh, okay. Bill Duvall, stationed at Stanford, and Charlie Klein at UCLA were about to make history. The message, LO, was transmitted before the system crashed, symbolizing the birth of digital communication and a glimpse of the login to a new era. And so I typed the L, and, and he said he got the L, and his system took it sent it back to me to print on my terminal, and my, my terminal printed the L. And I said, great, I, I got the L back, and I typed the O, and same thing. And then I typed the G, and he said, wait a minute, my system crashed. I had to rebuild the operating system, change the buffer size, rebuild the operating system, and then reboot it. Unfortunately, it was didn't take a long time. It was probably 10 or 15 minutes, I would guess. Yeah, it, was, it seemed to me that the time from when, we, when he told me it crashed, and he was going to have to think about it for a second and fix it, to the time we tried again was about a half hour. We, we got it working at 10.30, or at least that's when I logged yeah. that it, it yeah. had worked. Enter Larry Roberts. This visionary was already making waves at MIT when he was brought into the ARPANET project. He introduced a concept that would become the backbone of digital communication. Packet switching. In 19... 19- Fifty-eight. Uh, I started using computers at MIT, and somehow the TXO had landed in their lap, and I wound up with my own personal computer for 1959. Worst personal workstation. It was a beautiful system. It only had 4K of memory, but I had it. I went back in the logs later on, and I found I had used 759 hours of computer time personally on the TXO during that year. And that was something like three hours a day of my personal computer time. ARPANET, a beacon of innovation during the tense years of the Cold War, had the ambitious goal of creating a robust and fail-safe communication network. Larry Roberts, the driving force behind its success, was often hailed as the father of ARPANET. Finally, I have a, essentially a message network, communication network, tying time-shared computers together so that a user at one system could, through his computer system, call through the network to execute programs in other computer systems around the world, around the country, at that point in time. Uh, And the communications uh, community basically thought we were all crazy for talking about packets rather than circuits. In any case, we pursued doing this, worked with the ARPA community, of course, thought the communications technology was fine because they were all from the computer field. As we moved into the 70s, another turning point emerged, the development of TCP-IP by Vince Cerf and Bob Kahn. And in 1978, there was a really good decision made to split TCP from IP, and a lot of that Motivation was from a group of people at MIT. This protocol suite became the universal language of the internet, enabling different networks to communicate seamlessly. Now, the reason why packet switching and 
this TCP IP split one in the internet compared to various other proposals that were floating around at the time is that this architecture, the internet architecture, is good enough for everything but optimal for nothing. Let's not forget the 80s, a time of neon and innovation. The internet welcomed the advent of domain names, transferring numeric IP addresses into recognizable names, opening the door to a more user-friendly digital world. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Picture the world adjusting to this new reality, exploring the digital landscape with wonder and anticipation. The journey was filled with challenges, yet each obstacle led to groundbreaking innovations that have defined our interconnected world. Whereas most PCs today are, are primarily just text, we'll have copies of the documents. We'll have an optical disk, which we see now as being read-write, very high storage capacity, gigabytes of storage on the optical disk, and fitting in the slot in the PC beautifully. From its inception as a military communication tool to its evolution into a global platform for connection and knowledge sharing, the internet has undergone a monumental transformation, thanks to pioneers like Charlie, Bill, and Larry. The ARPANET was the precursor to the internet, and it started not because we wanted to build a communication network to prevent it to work when there was nuclear war or any of these major disasters. It actually had a very concrete goal. Just allow people, computers were really expensive. Just allow people, no matter where they were, to be able to harness the power of expensive computing far away and make it look to the extent possible as if the computers were with you. That's, that was the vision. And here we are in a world where the internet is interwoven into the fabric of our daily lives. The digital realm continues to evolve. And as we reflect on the transformative journey, we're reminded of the limitless possibilities of human ingenuity. Each keystroke, each connection, each innovation has been a stepping stone to the boundless digital frontier we continue to explore. This tale of resilience, creativity, and foresight invites us to ponder our digital past and look forward to the boundless potential of the future. Hey, thanks for joining us today on this enlightening journey through digital ages. We're trying something out, so bear with us as we find our voice. Stay tuned for more episodes of Things Have Changed podcast as we uncover the tales and transformations that have shaped the world. And remember, in this ever-evolving digital landscape, stay curious. The information and opinions expressed in this episode are for informational purposes only and are not intended as financial, investment, or professional advice. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any decisions based on the content provided. Neither the podcast nor its creators are responsible for any actions taken as a result of listening to this episode.